The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Dr. Jackie Black. Uh, she is a relationship educator, author, and coach. Uh, she is the author of three books, particularly, uh, one called Lo- Love Like a Black Belt, uh, Meeting Your Match, and Couples and Money, Cracking the Code to Ending the Number One Conflict in Marriage. Welcome to the show, Dr. Jackie. Thank you so much. It's great to be here with you today. Great to be with you. Just tell us a little bit about your background and all of the work that you've done leading up to doing these books and the kind of works you're doing today. Thank you. Um, I was in corporate America for many years, and uh, it was sort of an accident that I started uh, working with people um, in in situations um, really related to grief and loss and life-threatening and chronic illness, and I wrote a, a grieving book that I couldn't get published because I didn't have a Ph.D., and I was very, very frustrated. And um, so people said to me, well, if you get your Ph.D., then we'll publish your book. And so I went yelling and screaming into a Ph.D. program to do that. And then, of course, by the time I got out, you don't get a Ph.D. in five minutes. There were lots and lots of grieving books on the market. But um, it was really the stepping stone for getting away from corporate and really getting into the helping professions. And um, I was in private practice as a therapist for a, a number of years and transitioned into coaching in 1999. So um, my work with couples, really in particular, is all about making that dream come true. You know, people fall in love, but love isn't enough. And they really need skills in order to be happy for a long time with each other. So um, that's what my work is all about, is, is working with couples in trouble and really helping them to dial back the disappointment, the disillusionment, the um, arguing and any conflict that might be happening, and, and really start to build the kind of relationship that matches for the two of them. So what's the difference between coaching and, or as you should call it, consulting and therapy, really. What, what's the difference for that for a couple? Um, the, 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 the counseling model for therapy has been changing over the years. And um, it, it really, it used to, I won't speak to, to it today because it's, it's morphing, uh, but it spoke to looking for the problem and then repairing or fixing the problem and said that each of the partners um, probably had um, something or one of the partners had something that was going on that was affecting the relationship. In coaching, Coaching is two things. Coaching says, where are you today? We don't really need to spend any time looking at where you have come from or what those issues are. If you're not ready and able to be present, to make decisions, to follow through today, then whoever can't do that should go to therapy and deal with those more internal issues. But coaching 
provides a platform for couples to be together and to actually build a dynamic and energy um, to build skills together, repairing hurt feelings, crafting agreements, honoring ba- setting and honoring boundaries. Uh, money falls into that. There's, there's rules of engagement, all of those kinds of things. And it's like the superstructure that's the holder for the love. Um, and consulting is more somebody has a thing that they decide is good for you to do, and then you have all the answers. So consultants come with all the answers. Coaches really want, it's in coaching, it's client-driven and client-generated, not the coach. So it's not what I think. It's not what I believe. It's really about finding out what you need and what you believe and, and what you want from each other, what you can reasonably be expected to provide to your partner. So it's Let's very much client-generated. Very good. Uh, and, Barry, people can find you at your website is drjackieblack.com. Tell us a little bit about what they can find at that website. Uh, DrJackieBlack.com is a static site. Um, there are the, the chapter one from each of the three books is there, so you can download chapter one. And uh, and there are opportunities to really read about co- couples coaching, marriage coaching, why it helps, how it helps, and then to take a look at some of the programs that are available. Um, I think that we got caught as as coaches in the therapy model of, I don't know how that happened, of coming to sessions, you know, 45 minutes a week, week in and week out. And a couple of years ago, I started working with couples in a different way because couples wanted to jump on board and work, and they wanted to work in blocks of time because there's a lot to say. Right when three people are talking, so they wanted to work for two hours or for three hours, and they and they they wanted to to work consistently, um, or they wanted to work on themes and patterns or on a particular issue that was you know everything was basically good, but this one thing kept coming up and bothering them. So I decided to start working with couples in bigger blocks of time and uh, in programs. Rather than, now, if someone wants to come in and it works for them and it works for their relationship to come in and to work um, once a week, I'm happy to do that. But this is a really rather avant-garde way to work with, with couples, and they seem to be really enjoying it and benefiting from it. I'm seeing that a lot of issues are getting resolved faster. Great. Sounds good. Let's kind of take a, a broad picture of the situation with couples these days. What are some of the big issues? And we're going to get into details specifically. But what are some of the big issues in the financial realm particularly, that are tearing couples apart that they're having to deal with. And we've had this financial catastrophe we've recovered from to some extent. We've had all kinds of financial traumas in the world. How is that translating into uh, the problems being caused in couples' relationships? Well, debt is a huge problem, debt. And if people have, a, and debt's a mindset. Debt is a mindset. Nobody, it doesn't just happen. It, a debt happens because of decisions people make. Even if they're bad decisions, they decide they're in charge. So debt is out of control and it is pressuring people terribly. Um, styles, money psychology. Uh, and if some, So if somebody has a scarcity mindset, they're afraid that there's never too much. 
those people are not going to want to spend. And when money is tight or when things are bad, um, bad in the market, scary in the world, then they pull in and they want to save, 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 save and not spend. And it's not saving like saving to invest. No, it's not that. It's not buying, not spending. Not spending is not necessarily saving. The other thing is if someone's a spender, if they have abundance mindset, abundance scripting, uh, or they are, or they like to spend money, they will spend money more when um, there's pressure and when there's less money. So that's something that everybody needs to understand. It's one way of being in the world isn't better than another. It's not better. So don't just say, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm married to a, to a spendthrift. No, you're married to a person with a different mindset. So we want to respect all of the mindsets. And when people understand what theirs is and what their partners are, then they can begin to make different choices. Do you so, often find that uh, couples, couples have the same similar mindsets or different? One be a spender, one be a saver, or, or are they often both savers or both spenders or, you know, similar or different? And have you seen experience where it's better? If there's a contrast or if it's better if they're both similar? Yeah. Um, uh, typically, people are opposites. You know that old saying, opposites attract, and it's true. And it would be a huge problem. Just think about the dynamic of two spenders being together or two savers being together. Right? They wouldn't, they wouldn't want to buy anything. So um, the fact that opposites attract brings a balance. And what I want to do is bring information and awareness so that then they can really increase and deepen the balance that's already there naturally. So that it, even though it, it causes, seems to cause some conflict, it's better to have some balance than have two on one side or two on the other is what you're saying. Yeah, that's, that's more difficult whenever you have that kind of an entrenched pattern in, in anything. It's more difficult. Because, yeah, it's, it's, it's more difficult. It's complicated, but it's more difficult. Now you it talk really in, happens. Yes. <laughs> you talk in your book, uh, Couples and Money, about how to realize the conflicts by recognizing how your past influences your financial present and future. So why don't you kind of right. get into that a little bit? How can people solve their current conflicts by understanding their, their past uh, views of things? Well, we learn. That's how we. That's how we. Uh, how how we embrace values is by observing our family members. So I invite couples to sit down in a quiet time and start to just tell stories about their families. Right? I mean, how did people pay bills? My father used to sit at the dining room table. He had three piles. The first pile were the bills that came in that month. The next pile were the bills that were were due the month before or sometimes the month before that. And then the third pile were the pile was the pile that had all of the bills that something bad was going to happen if he didn't pay them. And that's the pile he built. I mean, that's the pile he paid. So that's how I learned about money. Right, And if you don't think that that carries through, oh, and my mother, my mother used to, um, there wasn't a lot of money, and it wasn't like he had the power. A lot of times people grow up in families where somebody holds the purse string, so to speak. That, that was not the case in my family. But I saw my mother write a check at the grocery store, because he didn't use credit cards in those days. She'd write a check in the grocery store for groceries, and she would always get money back. And then she put the money away. And so, um, and she always had money. If we needed 
something for school or a birthday party gift or whatever. She had, um, there's an old Yiddish word, pushki. She had a pushki, then she had money squirreled away. Not a lot of money, but a little money. Well, I grew up knowing that. So I have money, for example, all over the place. Not a lot, but I'll have $50 here, a couple of $20 bills there. I have money in places because that's how I grew up. And I remember trying to explain this um, to my late husband, and he said, and I said, I don't want you to be upset. I'm not hiding money. I'm happy to share, happy to tell you where it is. It's just what I do. And he was so okay with that because he really, he really understood. But there are other relationship dynamics where that would create a huge problem. It could be seen as disloyal or dishonest, right, or hiding or secrets. And secrets among partners is not a good thing. Because they have different backgrounds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So sit down and tell each other stories. And and, and it's funny. Here's what happens. When you're telling stories about your family, and you may sit down three or four or five times to tell these money stories, all of a sudden what will happen is partners will start going, oh. I mean, my clients actually report this. Oh, that's why you do that. Oh, that's what that's related to. Oh, now I understand. Because partners have been observing stuff, but they haven't had a context to understand it. The money stories really help people understand dynamics that they've been experiencing but didn't know what... what, and, And here's the other thing. If somebody doesn't understand the context, they're going to fill in the blanks. And the only way they'll fill in the blanks is through their own story. And that's never going to be accurate. Very good. We're going to take a break. Uh, This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Dr. Jackie Black. She's written several books. Uh, One of them is called Couples and Money, Cracking the Code to Ending the Number One Conflict in Marriage. Her website is drjackieblack.com. We'll be back after this. Welcome to The Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. If you want to know about investing in emerging and frontier markets, or if you have experience in this field but still need to know more, tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham. Gavin explores news, current trends, and insights about both categories of investing. His guest experts, along with his own knowledge, will help you stay above the line when it comes to growth potential, whether in funds or equities. He will look at what to invest in and avoid. Tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Listen for exclusive clips from Oprah's upcoming Super Soul Sunday series on Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. Then be sure to watch Oprah's Super Soul Sunday on OWN Network TV at 11 a.m. 10 Central every Sunday. Hi, I'm Joe Swedish, CEO of WellPoint. We proudly support the March of Dimes and all they do to reduce the rate of premature birth in the United States. Though premature births have recently declined, 
Still, half a million babies are born too soon each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs that help moms and their babies live healthier lives. Please visit MarchofDimes.com and join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Dr. Jackie Black. She's a relationship educator, author, and coach, author of many books. The book we're talking about today is Couples and Money, Cracking the Code to Ending the Number One Conflict in Marriage. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Jackie. Thank you so much. So you have a chapter on what you call understanding money psychology and differences in the couple that cause conflict. And you have this whole concept of what you call money scripts. Maybe describe what a money script is before we then get into what some of the money scripts are. Okay. A money script is a belief. It's a belief about money that resides in your unconscious mind. Well, how did it get there? And it got there by you observing how people in your early life um, handled money. And money scripts, these beliefs, guide every decision that you make and inform every behavior related to money. From um, buying the things that you buy, how much you'll pay, um, the services, the quality of services, where you'll stay in a hotel. So, for example, how does this affect the couple? Well, so if you've got a money script that is abundant, for example, you may like or want to or believe you should or must stay in a five-star hotel, for example. But if you have a money script that is based on scarcity, Right. If you have a basic fundamental attitude that people and things outside you can't be trusted and that there's never enough, it severely limits you and it shuts you down in lots of ways. And so you could never in a million years be excited. You would be stressed thinking about spending, um, going to a five-star resort. You'd, you'd want to be looking you know, at the lower end of hotels. For example, um, buying clothes educating children, you know, schools, all the money script, grocery stores, right? Do you want to go for a, well, I won't name names on a, on a radio show, but, you know, do you want to go to the, the lower end grocery store or do you want to go to the gourmet grocery store? And this is where couples have some of the biggest problems. I worked with, couple, with a couple a number of years ago, and I told them to go home and to write two lists. One was their necessity list and one was their luxury list. So they left, they went, they broke those lists, they came back, and in about four seconds, it was crystal clear to everybody what was going on. Everything on her necessity list was on his luxury list. And vice versa, probably. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So well, when, well, when people well, have... And, a- and then, here's the thing. They, they didn't have money issues in that they had all the money in the world they could ever spend. So it wasn't like they were pinching pennies. But it was such an affront to him for her to spend that kind of money in, in, his, in his worldview. It was a problem. So people have a money script now. Uh, they're brought up one way. Is it almost predetermined? 
that if you're coming yeah. from poverty, you're going to have a poor uh, money, you know, about a poverty consciousness, I guess you might call it. And if you come from mm-hmm. wealth, you're going to have an abundance no. script. Is it automatically that way? No, no. In fact, I, I said yes to your question without letting you finish. I apologize. If you have poverty scripting, you'll always have it, and you'll have to be very mindful as an adult to think through things. But it'll be there. But poverty scripting and scarcity scripting, I mean, and uh, abundance scripting, interestingly enough, don't have any real relationships to growing up in actual poverty or growing up in affluence. It's a mindset. And so you could actually grow up um, in poverty so to speak, but have an abundance mindset. You might have had um, a family where there was always enough. They held a belief that there was always enough. Uh, There was a chicken and a certain amount of water in the soup. If two people showed up for dinner, they put more water in the pot. It wasn't like we don't have enough soup. They put more water in the pot because there was always enough. So it really is more about um, the belief and value system of the people that raised you than it is about actually having money or not having money. In fact, interestingly enough, some of the people with the most severe scarcity scripting that I've worked with um, are very affluent. But how much is enough? See, the more money you have, the more money you need, and the more worried you are that you're not going to have enough. So to some extent, you could have two people who grew up in the same environment, you know, two brothers or sisters or something, and one could perceivably have abundance scripting and the other could have poverty scripting. It's, it's, they had the same upbringing, but looked at it in a different way. Is that possible? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes, it's possible. It's possible. And one of the reasons that we look at this in, in marriage is that there are good reasons that money issues come up in your marriage. There are good reasons. So we don't want to make money the, the evildoer because money is neutral. What we want to understand is that people have different ideas about earning. They have different earning capacities. They have different spending habits, different ideas about spending. They have savings goals, thoughts about investing, fears about being poor or about losing money, fantasies about being rich. All these things normally lie outside people's conscious awareness, but it, makes, but, it, but it creates problems. And here's another thing, wealth. Wealth, and you probably have talked about this, wealth is a mindset. The fact that somebody has a lot of money doesn't mean they're wealthy, and it doesn't mean they have a wealth mindset, right? Do you, do you agree with that, that wealthy people live in a particular way and they make decisions to build wealth, and building wealth is different than saving? Well, you often see people who get a sudden wealth, like a lottery or something like that, are not really able to handle it and get into big trouble quite quickly because uh, they're, right. they're, they're so not have a wealth it. mindset. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. So if you have a couple, say, let's be extreme. Let's say one has an extreme abundance scripting and the other has extreme poverty or scarcity scripting, but they still love each other. What is the process you have so they can get along and, and uh, not be at each other's throats all the time? Well, the person that has the poverty scripting has to become very mindful and, and, and really start um, watching how the person spends money and makes money decisions and notice when their fear comes up and what the fear is related to. 
the person that has a lot of money or that has abundant scripting really needs to be very respectful and not poo-poo it and not put that person down, you know, to really respect and honor that that mindset is real. Those fears are real. They're sourced someplace. And the best thing to do is to start to have, which I, although I say this about all couples, to have money conversations. Sit down deliberately and just talk about money, what you think about it, what you believe, what your fears are, what your experiences have been with money. And the, the best way to change anything about us, because by the time we're married, our money scripting is habituated. We don't even think about it. It lies outside our conscious control, and we've got all these habituated behaviors that serve it. Well, those habituated behaviors can be changed, like all habituated behaviors can be changed, but it must be changed in an attitude, in an environment of openness, of respect and support. And both people, you can't expect the person who grew up in, in, in poverty or with scarcity mindset to be the one that's moving along that continuum. They won't get there. It's too far to go. And so the other person has to, uh, has to come and meet them. It doesn't mean you have to change your spending or, or spend differently, but it does mean that there's a consciousness. You have to provide the space for both people to step into and decide how they want to spend money and what will be good for them. You, you talk about the energy of money and how you can resolve conflict by understanding the energy of money. What do you mean when you talk about the energy of money? Well, my, we, we people, um, will, money is charged, the whole concept of money is charged. Money is just fiber. It's fiber and ink, vegetable dye, um, believe it or not. And so we really will charge money with our fears, our fantasies, our hopes and dreams, our beliefs. And so we have to understand that money is really neutral and that we bring whatever charge there is to it and decide how are we going to want to charge it. See, for me, I want money so I can buy goods and services. That's all money is. It's about goods and services. It's not about status. It's not about power. For me, I want to make sure that I can buy goods and services and live a lifestyle I have decided. See, there's that word. I mindfully decided how I wanted to live. And so I fund that lifestyle with money. So, so you're saying people um, give too much energy to money in a certain way. That way always... too much energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, way too much energy. Yeah, it's just pieces of paper and plastic and, and electronic digits. Some, most of the time it isn't even real, right? Our banks just move the numbers around. Money used to be put on airplanes and taken places and it would be in trucks. and it, Money doesn't even go anywhere anymore. So how, if you have a couple where there's a, a big charge around money, about the energy of money, what do you do to uh, bring that energy down or make it more manageable? The first thing I do is have them tell their stories. Storytelling is a very, very big part of understanding ourselves and each other. So I start by, by having them tell their stories, and then I ask strategic questions that help them know more about their story and, and why they're reacting. Notice that word, reacting. See, we, we should be, um, as adults, as fully actualized adults, we want to be deciding 
and we want to be making choices and acting, being proactive. As soon as we notice that we're reacting, we know we're reacting to old stuff generally outside our conscious awareness, that we're not being present, so it's not about today, it's not who we are today, and it's not about our partners and who they are being today. So reactive behavior is a clue. It's not anything bad. We don't want to say, oh, reactive behavior, bad. No. Oh, we're reacting. Well, let's unwrap what we're reacting to so we can be proactive, so we can interact and take action, not react from a mindless place. So a lot of people don't even understand they're reacting. It's just kind of the way they normally do it. And and Mm -hmm. you're helping point that out to them so they can Mm -hmm. do a more healthy reaction, I guess you might say. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Well, yeah. <laughs> healthy react, healthy reacting is sort of an oxymoron. An oxymoron. Um, healthy reacting is being proactive on your own behalf, making choices and decisions. Which a lot and of couples, couples don't do. To, <laughs> yeah, and they need to do that together, or they need to decide what individual decisions and choices will be okay. But it's all done by decision, and it isn't that somebody's in control. It's not that. It's the opposite. It's that everything is by design and by agreement. So things get co-created. Agreements get co-crafted and co-committed to. Everybody's involved. Sounds like a good idea. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Dr. Jackie Black. Uh, She's the author of several books, one of them called Couples and Money, Cracking the Code to Ending the Number One Conflict in Marriage. You can find out more about her at her website, drjackieblack.com. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait. They just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. 
We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Dr. Jackie Black. She's a relationship educator, author, and coach. Her book relating to financial topics is Couples and Money, Cracking the Code to Ending the Number One Conflict in Marriage. Her website is drjackieblack.com. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Jackie. Thank you so much, Jordan. I love being here with you. So you were saying one of the biggest issues with couples is debt, and people are taking on so much debt today, credit card debt, mortgages, refinancing their mortgages, student loans, car loans, you know, it's just endless these days. When, you, when a couple comes into you, already having made the decision to go into debt in various ways, how do you help them kind of handle that psychologically? Well, we want to also start by saying that debt and financial problems cause 90% of divorces in America. 90%. And I say America. Usually I say North America. But interestingly enough, Canadians don't spend, spend, spend the way we do. Um, so that said, I say to couples, stop. Just stop it. And then they look at me and they bristle. Um, and here's the thing. We need to rein in spending Right? Because debting, there's no such thing as debt, as debting, right? It isn't a word. But what debt is, is spending. And people spend more money than they make, or they spend more money than they have, or, and so the, the one thing that I say to couples is, what have you decided that you need? What do you need? What do you want? Do you have an idea about what your monthly expenses are? What are the fixed expenses? People go, well, what do you mean? Right? Uh, uh, so the education about, you know, what, how much do you bring in? So how much money do you have to spend? And what's a given? Right? What are fixed expenses? And what do you have control over? Believe it or not, those are concepts that many people, no matter what kind of work, these are bright, educated people. Somehow people missed the, uh, the, the whole education piece about money and how to handle money and how to manage money. I never put people on budgets. I suggest that people have spending plans. And, you know, you could make a, um, a case for saying that we're just mincing words, but it doesn't smack of deprivation. Spending plan. So you decide, again, you decide, you plan. And if your expenses are more than what you make, and that's usually what happens, and people get scared. And so fear fuels debt. So we unwrap the fear and what people are afraid of uh, before we ever actually start talking about spending behaviors and choices. Um, The best and fastest way to get into debt is credit cards. You know, mortgages and car leases and car loans and that kind of student loans. But credit cards, we really have control over credit cards. And the other thing people do is they sometimes will take out a credit card or they'll move money from one to the other. And so we talk about that that's not really getting out of debt, using credit cards to pay off other credit cards or credit cards to pay off other loans or a loan to pay off credit cards, you know, all of that. That's a, that's a cycle. And a lot of that, believe it or not, is handled when people understand the concept 
about looking at what they have, looking at what fixed expenses are, how do they want to live, what are the things that they have control over, and what kinds of decisions do they have to make. You would be surprised at how many people don't recognize that they actually get to choose. Yeah. I mean, student loans is one area that parents are taking on student loans for their kids, parent loans, and even grandparents are taking on loans for their grandkids in many cases at, at older ages. What do you recommend for people who are, they, they, there's only so much that the kid can get in scholarships and grants and they have to take on student loans. They really want the kid to get a decent education. It's a big problem these days. Well, it is a big problem. On, on the other hand, there are very fine state schools in almost every state. And um, it's not, and most people don't want to do that. There are all kinds of reasons that kids want to go to college and the colleges they want to go to. Very infrequently does the kid actually want to go to a college to get a good education. They have an agenda. So if it really is that you decide um, how much you're willing to spend or able to spend, and then you look for a school within that, um, that amount, at that level, it can be done. But people don't do it that way. A lot of times people are coming into this feeling guilty. And guilt, spending money on your kids, and guilt I could talk about for days. Um, but people have these beliefs about my kids shouldn't have to work when they go to school or they should be able to go to this school or that school or my father didn't do this or that or my father did do this or that. It's like time out. Right? Show up today. What's going on today? Who are you? What are your values? What are your beliefs? What are you, what are you reasonably able to expect yourself to do and not do? And that often will bring a whole different kind of conversation to colleges. Indeed. Another topic you talk about is family businesses. And uh, so many people are involved, not only as families, but in the family business and different generations and can cause an awful lot of conflict. What do you see in the whole family business realm, and how can you head off conflicts that affect the relationships within a family business? Well, I think that we absolutely have to see that we are building the family business. You and I, uh, when we get married, we are building a family business, and we really have to think about building a family business. We have to think about money management Right? Big words, but money management. Money is, a, is, is part of what our life is about. So there are six common ways to manage money in a marriage. I don't know if you want me to talk about those, but there, there are six common ways. If none of those ways works for you, develop your own way. Just do it. Develop something that works for you, that you both agree to. So you don't necessarily have to do anything that, that is um, already established, but you have to manage it together so that everybody, there's no, I, what I say to couples is there's no abdicating. Everybody has to know everything. You have to know, even if you're not the one writing checks, you have to know what checks are going out and how much things cost. Even if you're not the one making investments, you want to know um, where your investments are and what's the investment strategy, sit down over a, a cup of hot chocolate or a glass of wine and let your partner tell you, be interested. There is no abdicating when it comes to the family business. So that's what I mean about the family business. And how about the interpersonal relationships between generations? Often a grandfather will give it to his son and he gives it to his son. What are some of the dynamics in passing down between generations? You mean businesses? Yes. You know, family businesses pass down from one generation to another, and that can affect all the relationships in the different generations. 
Right, right. It, it can. Family business, when I use the term family business, it's really a euphemism to the couple and how they manage money. You're actually talking about real family businesses. And that can be very complicated because there are a lot of family dynamics, not just about money and not just about the couple. Uh, and so a lot of times it's about tradition or it's, a, it's about power. Or, um, you know, older generation people, in, in, which is me sometimes, Sometimes I say to myself, I'm talking like an old person. Uh, but sometimes we have an idea about how things should be done or how things should be run. And we're not open to new ideas. We don't trust the younger generation. Um, so family businesses bring up insecurities, power struggles, and whatever the family dynamic is that's going on is going to show up and raise its ugly head in the family business. Indeed, <laughs> that happens all the time. You were saying one of the most important ways to get the relationship between a couple working is to have effective communications skills and to, as you say, resolve conflicts with one voice. What, what do you mean by that? Well, they should have money conversations that are regularly scheduled. Don't have a money conversation because you have a decision to make or you're, somebody is upset. So have a money conversation. Schedule the first couple of them. Make them short. And uh, Get an egg timer. You know, one of those sands in the, in the hourglass. Um, or set your phone for 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Sure. Sit down and um, ask your partner if, if he or she is ready. And they'll ask you if you're ready. And you say, yep, I'm ready. And then decide what you want to talk about in the money conversation. You could look at the bills or the checkbook. You could tell stories. You could talk about investments. You could um, talk about your frustrations or your worries. You could talk about things that were coming up. Maybe there's birthdays or anniversaries or holidays, uh, and there are going to be some extraordinary expenses. But you have to start by having money conversations. Very short. Get in the habit of talking to each other. And observe, what room did you decide to have it in? Where are each of you seated? I suggest that until you get good at this, you sit on a couch or on the floor side by side together. Right? You're on the same side of the table. Don't position yourself um, on, on, the, uh, on the extremes against, so to speak, each other. Final, when you're comfortable, no worries. You can sit wherever you want. But in the beginning... Right, sit, sit side by side, even maybe touch each other, a foot or a hand somewhere. Be close. Remember that you love each other. You're a couple. You're building your life together. And so a money conversation isn't any different than any other conversation. And when it begins to f- you feel yourself getting hot or you're not listening or you're saying yes but or interrupting, stop. Stop. It's enough. And say it will end for today. I'm noticing there's a whole lot of stuff going on for me. Right? I message feedback. But money conversations are, are really the best, it's the most important concept um, in couples. One of your other books is called Meeting Your Match, about how to find a relationship. Um, how can people talk about money when things are getting serious and, and not make it awkward or break the thing up? Yeah, I think you should talk about, people say, when should you talk about money? From the very, very beginning. If you're going to meet somebody for coffee, say to them, I'm very, um, uh, I would prefer to pay for my own coffee when I, when we, when I get there. So I just want you to know up front. And if somebody's taken aback or they don't like that, guess what? You're going to have a whole lot of trouble with that person. Because somebody who has the same kind of money mindset that you do will say, fine, thanks for letting me know that. 
Or he or she may say, I, I, it will be my pleasure to take you to coffee. If you want to be taken to coffee, then say, you know, that, that's very kind of you. Um, that'll feel wonderful. Right, done. So suppose that you are going to dinner, and, um, and it's been that you have been buying your own dinner. Man or woman? Because men have actually more trouble with money and dating than women, to tell you the truth. Men are so tired of picking up the check and being expected to buy things and pay for things. And it gets very expensive if you're dating and you're the one that's picking up the tab. There's nothing wrong with saying to a woman, I'd like, to jo- I'd like you to join me for dinner. I'd like to go to this restaurant. Um, and I would be more comfortable if you and I each handled our own um, tab. If a woman wants to be taken care of and she wants in an early part of a dating relationship to be taken to dinner, heads up. <laughs> Maybe that'll be fine for you and it'll work for you, but she's telling you something really important about herself and the way she's going to structure the whole relationship. Right? Indeed. I know people are out there saying, oh my God, is she, she, I'm for real. It's really true. Um, if you want to go to Ruth Chris Steakhouse, and I love Ruth, Ruth Chris, but I can't always, um, I don't always want to go. I don't, you know, maybe there's something else going on. Maybe I have just come back from a trip, or maybe I, whatever. So I say very upfront in my day, to, my, to my date, I am not choosing, listen to the words, I'm not choosing to spend that much money on dinner. I wonder if you could choose a restaurant um, with three stars instead of five stars. So right? That's exactly a better responsibility. start. <laughs> and, and, I, and it's not like I can't afford it because that's a scarcity mindset. I'm choosing to not spend that much money on meals right now. And I wonder, and I would love to have dinner with you, and I wonder if it would be if you would be willing to change the restaurant. So if someone says they, get, they have two choices, no, let me take you to dinner because I really want to go there, and then you get to decide. Or they'll say um, no for some other reason. Or, yeah, that'll be fine. Of course. I just want to see you. Yep. So it's never, it's, right, it's never too early. I had a couple come in. Let me just tell you this quick story. I had a couple come in, um, and she wanted a P&L. They were dating. And he didn't want to give her a P&L. And she said to him, I said to, him, well, I said to her, why do you want a P&L? And she said, because I want to know if he can afford to put our children in private school. So I said, well, do you know if he wants children? Have you spoken to him? Does, what does he feel about <laughs> private school? <laughs> right? So she looked at me like I'd lost my mind. Uh, we haven't talked about money. Well, a P&L isn't going to tell you anything except how much money he has. But it's not going to tell you well, how he spends his money, how he wants to spend our money, your money. Right? People aren't talking to each other. So I think that people should talk when they're dating very, 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 very early. Because there are, do you know that there are people today that will, that will want to know how much debt you have? And if you have over a certain number of dollars in debt all combined, they won't date you. Yeah, no, it does happen. Just like, right? Just like there are companies that want to know what your debt load is before they'll interview you. Same thing is happening in the dating world. Yeah. Okay, we have to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Dr. Jackie Black. Uh, he, she is a relationship educator, author, and coach. She's on several books. One of her books is called Couples and Money, Cracking the Code to Ending the Number One Conflict in Marriage. Her website is drjackieblack.com. We'll be back after this. 
whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio, every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Hi, I'm Joe Swedish, CEO of WellPoint. We proudly support the March of Dimes and all they do to reduce the rate of premature birth in the United States. Though premature births have recently declined, still half a million babies are born too soon each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs that help moms and their babies live healthier lives. Please visit MarchofDimes.com and join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Dr. Jackie Black. She's a relationship educator, author, and coach. Uh, She's uh, written several books. One's called Couples and Money, Cracking the Code, to ending the number one conflict in marriage, and her website is drjackieblack.com. You were just telling me something about where you have your clients. That was quite amazing. Tell me about that again. Yeah, I work with clients in eight time zones. I work on the phone or Skype, and I have clients all over the world. Very good. Uh, one of the things you say <laughs> that is important, you have what you call the five rules of engagement to communicate better about money. So let's briefly go through those. What's the first rule? The first rule is get yourself grounded in the right mindset. It's true of any conversation you have with your partner. You say to yourself, I'm not the problem, you're not the problem, let's see if we can figure out what the problem is. I'm okay, you're okay, I love you, you love me. It's the problem. And then you jump into looking at the problem. So get yourself grounded. And then remind yourself that you're okay. I'm okay, you're okay. It's that old, I'm okay, you're okay. But people forget. They think that their their spouse is mad at them or they're blaming them for something. So rule Number two is self-esteem checklist. I'm okay. You're okay. Number three, always talk from the I position. I, I need, I want, I like, I'm afraid, I'm worried, I don't like, I'm upset. Stay in integrity and honor yourself. It's always about your I. Don't tell your partner about himself or herself. You, you, you. People shut down. They stop listening. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, rule number four, assess your readiness to communicate effectively and to craft agreements. Are you ready? How much conversation do you need? Do you feel heard? Do you feel safe? 
readiness, schedule a mutually convenient time and decide that everybody is ready and, uh, to sit down and to talk. So sometimes people are not ready, and they might go ahead anyway, and that causes trouble. Yeah, they should not. You should say, I'm not ready. I'll come find you when I'm ready. Readiness is super important in all conversations. Don't have a conversation if you're nervous or worried or upset. Or come to your partner and say, you know what? I'm so nervous about this conversation. I don't think I can calm myself. But I'm going to have it. I'm going to know, and I'm going to try to really – I want to listen to everything you have to say before. If I interrupt, let's just stop so I can – grab hold of myself. And what is the fifth rule? Speak for the sole purpose of being known. This is critical in all kinds of conversations. Don't speak to persuade, right? You're not going to change anybody's mind. The whole idea of having a conversation is so the person you're speaking with knows you and the person you're listening to, you are listening for the purpose of knowing them. And then you get out, you stay out of power struggles. You have a whole section on what you call uh, agreements and how to uh, write actual agreements out. Just briefly kind of tell what, what should go into an agreement like that and, and how does that work as a collaborative process? Um, you, and, and that's a good word. It is collaborative. So you sit down together and first you have to write your joint vision. And so you start with my vision and I start with mine, you start with yours, and then we co-create the joint vision so that we both understand what the agreement is. And then um, we talk about what we bring to the agreement and how and can I really do this? Because a lot of times we will agree to something and then at the end of the day or tomorrow or the next day, we realize that we, we really did that in good with uh, good will and good intention, but we can't. So um, what can I bring? What are my strengths, gifts, skills? Um, all agreements have to include a deadline, a specific time, a by when. By when will you do this? By when will I do that? The agreement needs to um, have positive outcomes that are positive for both of us and that we both agree to. There must be an opportunity for everybody to talk about their fears uh, their concerns, and no matter how optimistic you are, there must be an escape clause. And the escape clause isn't, oh, I, I don't have to do this, that doesn't work for me. The escape clause is I come back to the table and I say, hey, Jordan, that thing that we agree to, I'm noticing I'm having more difficulty than I thought I would or I'm not able to. I need to come back to the table and renegotiate it. need to craft a new agreement because I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to honor this agreement. And who is the accountability partner uh, for if you're not following the agreement? How does that work? Um, then your partner will say, um, so I, w- I would come to you and say, Jordan, I'd like to talk to you about the agreement. When is a good time? We'll set a good time. I'll say, are you ready now? Is it now a good time? Yes, it is. Are you ready? I am ready. And I'd, I, I'd like to let you know that I've noticed a couple of things, um, and I'd like to bring them to your attention. Would that be okay? Yeah. Well, are, you, are you noticing something? I hear these words. Doing, not doing, saying, not saying. They must be specific. Yes, right? You indeed. can't say, when you did this, it hurt my feelings. No. I had a reaction to that when you did it. So we really have to stay behavior-focused. Behavior-focused. Okay. In about a minute or so we have left, what kind of difference would it make in people's relationships if the kind of things we've been talking about happen, as opposed, in many relationships, many of these things do not happen? What kind of a difference would it make? It would make, really, not to overstate this, 
all the difference in the world. The level of, co- of conflict would reduce almost to nothing. Um, and people would feel happier, closer, uh, safer to be in all the other parts of the relationship because this stuff leaks into all the other parts of relationships, these dynamics, all the other parts of relationships. And people are not trained to do these things. I mean, they have your books, but this is not something they have training on how to be a good couple in college or any place else particularly, right? Right, exactly. Exactly, which is why I've been writing books. It's why I wrote Love Like a Black Belt because there are specific skill sets that people need to learn. Love is not enough. And if you learn, practice, and master those specific skill sets, then you will really be able to live in the love that you have for each other. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been Dr. Jackie Black. She's, as you can see, a relationship educator, author, and coach. Her website is drjackieblack.com. Her book on this topic is called Couples and Money, Cracking the Code to Ending the Number One Conflict in Marriage. Thanks so much for being on the Money Answer Show, Dr. Jackie. Thank you so much, Jordan. I loved it. Thanks again. And we'll be back with another edition of the Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 